Hello and welcome to the 551 Podcast, live at the Black Heart of St. Paul, and that's where you clap. There we go. It's a beard-heavy night here in the, in the, the Black Heart of St. Paul, which, um, uh, you know, uh, all power to the beards, especially um, uh, Jake Root over here, who I think is winning for the, the length contest. But... Um, uh, thank you all for coming out for the uh, 2018 wrap up 2019 uh, Dreamathon. Uh, I am Wes Berdine, uh, and I am here with uh, two people I've, who I've podcasted in the past with, and who I think are, are kind of smart people. Uh, Bruce McGuire, definitely kind of kind of a smart person. You got a uh, you got a shout out on uh, on Extra Time Radio a couple weeks ago. I know you don't listen to that because you're. I'm you, a keep, purist. you keep your ears pure, uh, but yeah, there was you had said something on Twitter, and, and uh, I think uh, uh, David Goss or someone was was uh, re, you know bringing it back up, and then and then Matt Doe was like, "Oh, you've just been reading Bruce." So anyway, I did, I do know about this, okay, and I did hear it, okay, without being prompted. Oh, so I'm not as pure as people like to think I am. Okay, I know I come across as virginal, but. <laughs> They were talking about the Seattle-Portland first leg, and Christian Roldan from Portland or from Seattle came racing in on the goalkeeper. Could have easily just jumped over him, but he dragged his feet, ran into him, and then ended up hurting his knee so bad that he had to come out of the game and couldn't play in the second leg. And I said it was karma, and that's what they were talking about was the karma of trying to get that penalty kick, and you paid the ultimate price. Did you Zapruder film that? Like you did the uh, Harrison Heath uh, Colorado Minnesota fight. No, my brother and I did spend several hours and a million laughs one night going over the Minnesota Colorado fight footage and picking it apart frame by frame and highlighting certain people doing. And and we were the ones who figured out that it was clearly Maximiano who used the squirt bottle. Um, so, and hence he got a one game suspension because of us. Uh, another. <laughs> Excellent work. Can I just say, Bruce, you have a very different definition of the ultimate price than I have. Yeah, no, I know. Most uh, things I have are sarcastic and yeah. juvenile. Uh, also, also with this is uh, Jeff Reuter, who also happens to be here with his brother. It's uh, bring your brother to podcast night. So it's true. Uh, we have we have uh, one Bill McGuire in the in the audience, and people who are uh, just listening to this on the podcast will just have to guess which Bill McGuire it is. Um, uh, so Jeff, thank you for joining us. Great story. Uh, so the way this is going to work, we're uh, the three of us. Are, I'm going to ask these two some questions, and we're going to we're going to collectively work through this. But we also have a microphone here for the audience, and they're going to kind of ask intermittent questions or just heckles. However, that's going to work. Um, we don't have like money for like a producer who would then like hand the microphone. Oh, that's like even an intern. We don't have money for in, unpaid interns who will hand the microphone to someone who raises their hand. So we're just going to do this uh, where, you know, it's anarchy. Um, so let me let me start the podcast uh, by saying we want to look back at 2018. And, uh, you know, Jeff, I'll start with you. 2018 as compared to 2017, uh, is it... it is it just flavors of soft open, or, or, or how, do you, how do you look back at this year? You know, we, we already said on many podcasts, right, same amount of points, a few more goals given up. It was yeah. almost the same, but... A softball launched to the podcast, too. Yeah. There you go. Uh, oh, shit. Um, well, the team scored one more goal 
two more goals than they did last year. And I think you have to look at that and say they're trending in the right direction. Uh, the, the attack is gangbusters, <laughs> light years better than it was last year. And yeah, they gave up one more goal, but they scored two more. And so that's a plus one uh, differential. No, I mean, if you're looking at it, it's weird, but it's almost fair to say that it was a better team in 2017 in some ways. Whereas 2018 just looked like a better roster that never quite figured out how to play together, how to operate the game plan, how to stay on the field consistently. I, I don't know of many times where they actually fielded the same 11 consecutive weeks throughout the entire season. Uh, the, the tactics looked the same for better or worse. Actually, in 2017, Minnesota was fifth in the Western Conference with 50.5% possession. Uh, per game this last year, they were dead last in the West with 45%, so they dropped off time on the ball by 5%, and it showed. I mean, there were a lot of times where they tried to play. 10%, no, 5? 55 to 50. 45. Oh. I don't, oh, I don't know math. The chart will be out tomorrow, maybe. <laughs> It'll be all right. But Are you just plagiarizing your own articles I now? am plagiarizing oh, my own published articles. Uh, but, but the point being, they, they never figured out how to fully play on the counter because part of that would have to be complete shutdown defense, which I also don't think they figured out, and I'm going to go out on a limb on that one. Um, so compared to, it was different flavors of the same brand of ice cream. Hmm. Uh, you know, Bruce, I'll, I'll put that slightly different than to you. This year, it's quite obvious, Darwin Quintero is the best best player we've seen in ages. Um, uh, so he so the team obviously is better with him. Uh, with what Jeff is saying here, does that make it make it kind of, did he paper over bigger cracks that showed up in 2018? Or is it just, is that just a hypothetical? That question doesn't make sense. He's clearly talented, but if you look at the last 12 or 13 games of the season, he got injured and he never really came back and his stats dropped off so dramatically that people are not really bringing that up. They're just pretending that Darwin had a great season and he did not. At the end, he was almost invisible and it, you know, they got eight of the last 39 possible points and, and that's one third of the season was a complete disaster, and yet they still, as we've all joked too many times now, passing grades. And I don't know how you can fail in one-third of the season and get even close to a passing grade. And as great as Darwin is, something clearly happened. Um, let, me, let me then ask you both this in like to, to, give, to give this the, the, the best possible sense. We're still two years into an expansion year, and there's so many worse teams than us. Not that many. There's only like four worse teams, five worse teams. Uh, is, it, is it still realistic to, to expect uh, more than, than what, what we've seen? We see, certainly have seen some pretty good soccer in all these losses. Uh, you know, is, or when I'm being petulant, am I being... Uh, you know, maybe just too naive that, look, the reality is there was always going to be a soft open. It had to be a soft open. And really, it's all about 2019. Bruce, I'll start with you. There's nothing wrong with anything you just said. And there's nothing wrong with what the team has done. It's just that 
you can have a lot less talent and still compete. I don't mean make the playoffs or that, but you can make games really, really difficult for other teams on a consistent basis. And at home, they fairly did that. But on the road, they weren't even close. And it was really bad down the stretch. And, and even with a less talented roster like they had, I still don't think they got out of it what they should have. And, and I think that the second year was maybe even more damning than the first because they should have learned from the first year. Well, we tried that 3 5 2. Um, uh, you know, uh, let me let me then uh, uh, ask a, a question from that, and then I'll, I'll go to a question if anyone wants to queue up after that. But um, you know, you were saying that there's kind of more damning because we haven't learned. So my question that I've had for a while is: if Greg Berhalter, if uh, Dom Kinnear, or if Ziggy Schmidt, those are those are my three of of three different types of of c- coach. Uh, if they were coach this year, what would this team have looked like, Jeff? Well, first off, one of those three coaches is also your safe word, so there's that. Uh, <laughs> no. So we'll s- no, because when I say Greg Berhalter, I don't want it to stop. Nothing safe. Okay. Fair play. Uh, I knew that there would be a Greg Berhalter reference uh, as soon as we set this up. Um, the p- team would look like a 4-3-3. I mean, most obvious. I, I think that the team would have had to get a lot of different players to accommodate that. I think that looking at Kinnear and Schmidt were the other two, right? Yeah. Um, Dom Kinnear, no, Ziggy Schmidt would probably have fit the group of players that was on the roster best. Uh, Kinnear finds a way to work without someone doing the whole playmaking role, which was a big part of why the Galaxy actually made a push at the end was because they weren't trying to force Gio Dos Santos into the number 10 role. what if they had just put Mark Dos Santos out there? It would have been better, I guarantee it, because he would have just ran straight through people, uh, like actually physically. He, he would have played soccer as well. No, no, he would have just been a wrecking ball oh. uh, out there, and maybe that would have been better. <laughs> he would have than sold what Gio some did. speed. It, it That's what he would have totally done. Totally would have, yeah, out of his inner jacket pocket, which is MLS regulation now. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think Berhalter wouldn't have had the midfield restraint to make this roster work. And I I think if you're looking at particularly him, I don't think the players would have matched what he would have needed to do well with this team. But I I guess, I guess I ask with those three in terms of those three are, um, uh, you know, Dom Kinnear being the lower level of Minnesota could have Dom Kinnear as their coach for sure. Uh, Siggy Schmidt as well. Um, Greg Berhalter, as I've said many times has been my dream for years. Uh, once it became clear that Jesse Marsh could not be my dream. Uh, and now Berhalter is no longer. Um, and now there's Dos Santos. I'm really fucked here. Uh, so, but these guys, are, these guys are good coaches who can coach. I guess what I'm asking is, um, if you just put another coach in there who's decent, would this te- is the problem with this team coaching is what I'm wondering. Okay, I'll just ask it that. Just, I was beating around the bush. Bruce? Well, again, that, that is definitely part of it. You know, it, it, it's a combination of, of everything. There's no one particular thing. You know, I went down the list. Siggy Schmidt, I don't believe they'd be any better. Because okay. as much as I've loved him for decades, he seems to have just fallen off the I care pile. Yeah. You know, he just, he, you know, he really seems to have lost it. Um, Dominic Kinnear's success, every team he had success with had really talented people at key positions. 
And I think he relies on that a lot. And he lets them be themselves and lets them do their magic out there. And then he makes the rest of the team simple and solid, let's not make mistakes kind of coach. And with Burhalter, I think they would have been more consistent, a little more defensive-minded. They would have got more out of the defense somehow miraculously. But I think they'd only be marginally better. Okay. I guess I disagree. I think they'd be much better, but that's because I'm uh, on the <laughs> train. But I, I guess, well, no. Okay, let me spin it back to you. Sure. Um, what would have been different to you? Like, I mean, just when you're looking at the team, not just they would have been ten points better, but what would have changed? What would you have hoped to have seen? With yeah, coach? I think you look at someone like Dom Kinnear, right? And the first, you know, what you said, Bruce. There is the one. One of the things that Dom Kinnear can do is organize a defense, and I think that. Dom Kinnear would have uh, um, been been successful at at least getting the defense, who I don't think are that bad. I don't think Boxall is – I think, uh, you know, there's improvements that can be made, but Boxall is a good center back. I think Coleman is a good center back. Uh, I think Eric Miller, uh, you know, uh, Francisco Calvo, all these guys are good defenders. Um, the question is, can you get them to all work? You're on drugs, man. I think that you can. I think that you could have a decent defense with those guys in there if you had them all playing together. Okay. Calvo at left back, definitely not as a center back. Okay, that's a start. <laughs> as in a two. No, I don't think Dom Kinnear or or Siggy Schmidt could have made that happen at all. Really? No, there's no one special back there. That's what Dom Kinnear is best at: is special players. Yeah, his his peak Houston center back pairing, if I remember right, was Bobby Boswell and Jeff Cameron. That's no, it was, even, it was even before that. Well, he it, had them too at a certain point. He though, did, right? but before when they won their championships and, and back to San Jose, it was um, Craig Weibel and uh, Eddie Robinson. Oh, okay. And they're not special, but they – So – He tightened it all up. They didn't do anything. They just didn't make mistakes. So you could you – but, but then they had really, really special people in front of them. They won championships special in his own special way. Yeah, I mean they they won championships with Ricardo Clark and Brad Davis and Dwayne De Rosario and Brian Ching. It still amazes me that they didn't try to take Brian Ching in the 2017 expansion draft. Like I don't know why, but I remember going to that, that event, Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh yeah, like, I remember going there and just in my mind, I had this sinking feeling that like with the fifth round, we're gonna take Brian Ching. Who's Wait, been retired he, for five years? Didn't he get picked up and then just retire? When yeah, he was like almost. Yeah, and then he ended up playing through it at the end. But no, he he, he got taken in the expansion draft by Montreal, right? Who Houston didn't think would take him, and they took him, and then they held him for ransom, ransom yeah. and got a really good player out of Houston. It was a very smart move by Montreal. Yeah. One of the only smart moves they've yeah, made. That was the in last one they made. Six or seven years. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, any, any questions from the audience? I'll, I'll open it up at, at any point, but otherwise I'll, I'll keep going with these guys. Just heckles, just just murmurs between yourselves. Drunken mumbling. Uh, so, uh, uh, Bruce, let me let me take this from for you. If you look back at 2018, uh, high and low moments. You can you can decide which one you want to start with, low or high. But uh, what, what, what stands out from you if we think back about how this year went? I get accused of being really negative. Really? So I'm going to take the high. <laughs> okay. I'll leave Jeff with the low. Oh, okay. All right. I think they're both really, really obvious. I think, 
I think the second one is the LAFC beatdown, the five to one. Right. It was just, you know, you can say whatever you want about who LAFC brought here. That's on them. But Minnesota United looked like a real team that night, like a, a, a team you want to watch, a team that you want to cheer for. And then wasn't it just a few year, few days later they got rid of Christian Ramirez? Yeah, LAFC, LAFC <laughs> took saw him. him and were like, yeah. oh, well, he just kicked and, the crap out of him. Who scored that night? Do you, anyone remember? Uh, Ibarra had two, Ramirez had one, Darwin, and I think maybe Ibsen? Maybe... Sure. Maybe Schuler. Oh, he might be Schuler. Might be you're right. right. You're right. Yeah. yeah he might have even yeah. gotten the first one that night. Yeah. So that's okay. my number two. My number one of my two highlights of the season was clearly that Darwin Contero hat trick against Toronto. I mean that. Fourth of July. I just watched it again yesterday. It's it's unbelievable. And that yeah. third goal, just I lost it when he scored the third one. Uh, well, actually, I want to ask you, Jeff. You were in the press box that day. What was what, what? How did that play out in the press box? Because I think many people know how it here at yeah. least know how it played out in the stands. I'm right. kind of curious. Yeah, because there is there is a rule that uh, I mean you're not supposed to cheer in the press box. I, the the team staff doesn't always hide that, uh, and, and to be fair, neither does like the opposing team staff. If they score an away goal, they're yeah. going bonkers. But um, yeah, for the third one, I think. Every one of us just had to like say, "Wow!" I don't think we applauded because there's plexiglass in front of us, and that would have been pointless. But yeah, um, yeah, I definitely think we none of us tried to be stoic and be like, yeah. "And in the 45th minute, Darwin can lined up." I say, dear chap, that yeah. was a good, good no, chip. Nothing quite like that. But no, I, I, it was special. You're absolutely right. I, I, those were three very special goals, and for them to happen in one night in one day. Uh, one day and one night. That well, was pretty. Well, we remarkable. always, Bruce, you and I always relive because we were standing next to each other when uh, Christian Ramirez scored that uh, bicycle kick in the NASL. And it was such a slow motion thing. And at that point, we were like, we had all started to really see that this was a special player. And you and I both did the, the Wayne's World. We're not worthy. And you weren't, you uh, now stand in the, or sit in the old, old man section. So uh, I like I, to say this is the smart people section. Yeah, it's, yeah. sure, sure. Slightly the, the higher IQ. Section. Yeah. Uh, and so now I've got a, an, another group of losers that I stand with. But um, they, uh, so, but, but at that point, we all had the same, the same, we're not worthy sensation where, you know, it was very obvious from the beginning that Darwin Quintero was something special. But this was this was there was so much um, there was so much, like bravado or balls to it of just like you you knew that he had Alex Bono's number right? No, no it, was, it was Clint Irwin. Clint, Clint Irwin. Oh yeah, right, because he's dead now. Um, so yeah, he had Clint Irwin's number. Literally murdered him, and then didn't one of the Toronto players come up to Clint during the the uh, media scrum afterwards and be like, "How do you feel about being killed?" or something like that? Or I do, think do you someone that? also someone also did that to Nick Nick Romando's kid did that. Oh. Yeah, that's right. Because Romando got home after getting chipped by Darwin, and he's like, "Dad, you're not cool. You got chipped." No, um, no, it was but this was a player Irwin, who said sure. to Irwin, "They're like, yeah, you my, he my just favorite, ruined your career." My favorite story, sorry, from that game. Um, do you remember how in the second half Sebastian Javinko scored a, a laser that ended up being the only game nominated for goal of the year from that game? Yeah. Uh, he was walking to uh, the center circle to restart, uh, carried the ball with him, and he was just moping. 
And one of the Loons players was just like, hey, man, great shot, whatever. And Travinko just looked up and looked back at his team and then just said to the Loon, like, it doesn't matter. We're going to lose anyway. And that was the moment I knew that Toronto's season was done. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'll say this about that, that, that Darwin hat trick. I'm going to say something that I don't think I've ever said out loud in public, and most people don't know at all, but for, for several years, I wish it was that. <laughs> for several years, a long time, like 20 years probably, I've suffered pretty badly from depression, and I've taken medication, and it only gets me up to this level. This is like peak. And so a lot of times they score, I don't feel anything, which just sucks. Because I, I, you know... <laughs> That's why I go is to feel it, to feel the joy and the, and the excitement. And that third goal, I did. And yeah. I think that's why it feels so special to me. The first two that game, I was just like, I, I mean, I jump up, I clap hands, I slap hands with everybody around me, but it's mainly an act. And that third goal, it, it really got to me, and that felt great. Yeah. Because very few things make me feel really good, and that yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I, I like um, – uh, you, I know that you're a you're a uh, negative person as well as uh, me in in my own negativity. But like, those are the moments that we kind of like. That's exactly why we go. And we had many. You know, when I said like this year, for as kind of frustrating as it was, there's a lot of soccer that we got to watch that was really friggin' fun. Miguel Ibarra, you know. Uh, I'll add to your highs. Watching Miguel, particularly that first half, he obviously tapered off along with the rest of the team. The second half, but that first half, um, watching Miguel succeed for me is is one of the one of the great joys I, I get in soccer. Uh, I don't know M Miguel very well. Um, uh, he's so friggin' shy, um, but he, he's immensely likable as a guy. He's just such a nice, sweet guy. He has he loves shoes and his dog so much, um, and he, and and when he plays he plays with you know he plays with uh, you know uh, with with blood you know he just like loves it and he's angry uh, he just has so much emotion out there and so watching him succeed is a big joy for me you know I, Christian as well for but for a very different reason Christian well I think I, I wrote when he left he was Christian was the was magical. But um, but Miguel is is the heart, you know, is is a lot of the emotion I watch of the team, and and so you know, for me that that the, one of the highs was watching him uh, to score goals and just show up out of nowhere, right, as a right right wing back, uh, you know, just he'd just make a run and no one was ready for this, you know, little guy with like just shoulders and and head just running straight past him. So uh, I'll add Miguel's, uh, you know, uh, scoring to, to that. Jeff, you, you want to go lows? You can also add a different high if you want. Uh, okay. Um, I think if I'm remembering the season, the, the lowest low has to be October in general. Um, four games, two at home, both against teams that missed the playoffs. Negative 10 goal differential, I think it was in the end. Um, and especially when you're contrasting that, right before that first game in October was when Passing Grades dropped, uh, the hot new single from Chris Wright. Uh, and I think, I mean, when you have an earworm like that stuck in your head, it's, it's really hard to think without that, like, clouding how you watch things. 
Um, and that's both, I mean, as a fan, I would guess, but also even just for me as I'm looking at it and just saying, okay, so what are they building towards? We know that that's going to be intact. There's no, these are just players and coaches fighting for their jobs. It's players trying to impress the next coach again. And just the, there was, there wasn't much cohesion. I'm especially thinking about that Colorado game. Oh, yeah, that was the second half. I remember, was it? Clearly, I don't remember. Uh, I think it was San Jose last year in 2017. 1-0, Dom Kinnear special, came in. Uh, Jackson Ewell and Tommy Thompson both had their whole families in town. Neither played a minute. It was just a drub game for everyone involved. And that, like, you could just very clearly see that the team was just out of it. And for an entire month, it looked like the team was out of it. Uh, and I don't know what to read from that. I have guesses, but um, I don't want to do too much speculation on that. But it, it just it looked like every single player was like, well, we missed the playoffs. Half of us won't be back, or feeling like half of them won't be back because they've now heard as part of the passing grades thing, we need eight to ten new players. We need X, right. we need Y. We have four or five guys we think we can carry on with. No, Chris Wright literally said we have eight to ten really, 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 three reallys, Great players. Which is as good as 24 to 30 really good players. Wow. That's good math. New analytics. 8 to 10 really, really, really great players. How many? Who says that? There's no team in MLS with 8 to 10 really, really, really great players. How, how, many, how many really, really? It's really good, though. He said really, really good. good. I think. Was good. it great? Good. Okay. Regardless, how many Three really, Pinocchios. really, reallys do we have on the team right now? None. Not even Darwin? Okay. After those last 12 games of the season, no. I mean, I understand it. Uh, that's always been his story, has been ebbs and flows, and that he will have moments of brilliance, months of brilliance, but then he will also go into a massive slump, and that's why Club America eventually oh. kind of got sick of it. I want to go to at, a, at his peak, Darwin. I want to go to a, a question awesome. from uh, David Zeller. He's got a question here. Oh. <laughs> He's waiting and walking, walking away now. Guys, I David Zeller, right. welcome. Thank Sorry. you. Sorry, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to, uh, yeah. I'm going to just join, just sitting up here. Yeah, what's, what do you have? Um, the question is large, and it, it, it begs, begs a lot of questions, other questions, by the way. Um, why and how? And what? <laughs> I'll take my answer off the air. That's really good. That's really profound. Uh, so, I mean, I'll take, I'll take... Let's do some more lows. <laughs> I'll take why. Uh, because... Uh, why? I'll take why because, uh, because uh, that's, what, that's what we have to deal with. It's, uh, we, we got nothing else. How or what... Uh, how heathily will be my answer to that one. Uh, what? It's not fair. <laughs> uh, but uh, I want to say, I want to go to a low, yeah. which is uh, Atlanta at home. They're down to 10 men. Uh, it's cold. Uh, and the team uh, is touted that they had so much possession because Atlanta was just like, why don't you just go play with yourselves? And 
Minnesota did go play with themselves. They had maybe, I think, eight passes into the box all night. Did they have something like 29 crosses or something crazy like that that night? Mark Birch, I have a microphone. I think Mark Birch sent in like 10 of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was was one of the most infuriating matches I've ever watched. Um, uh, You know, then it led to the whole Calvo versus West debacle. But, I mean, it was... It was he doesn't in, know your name, by the way. Oh, no, that. I know he doesn't. He just, Calvo versus uh, that guy. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, it was just one of the most infuriating things I've ever watched, and there was another infuriating game later. Just remind me of the infuriating game. Second half against Seattle? No, there or, was... Or, 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 oh, Wyoming Or the last ten minutes against Seattle, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. That's like a fucking thing. Um, no, it... Uh, like I just I think like there was another game that I was thinking of that was later in the season that also made me want to die. Houston maybe because they always make me I want mean, to I, die. That was the one Dallas where they had thirteen corner kicks and they that couldn't convert be. a single. They got one shot on target out of thirteen corners and they had eight quality chances. Yeah, eight. So those are the lows. Any uh, other? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the two losses each to San Jose and Colorado. Yes, I mean that is painful. Colorado might have been might have been the game I was thinking of. I don't know. There was there was some games where it was just like it, it was an insane amount of futility watching there was, the game. There was the one where one, one of the San Jose losses, the home one. I think it was one one when he checked in. There was the loud Wondolowski, Wondolowski, you'll never score a goal, and he got a goal and an oh, assist yeah. that day. Um, no, it was Colorado because it would, it, Colorado had those like two or three VARs. So and then the and then the game ended and the that was it that was the most infuriating because it was just, because yeah I almost left early so because it was just watching we I we, I waited around just so I could yell Heath out that was it at that point um, I think one more low uh, that kind of slid under the radar was the trade of Christian Ramirez yeah. I don't think many people talk about that um, I think he's being fa- fa- yeah yeah yes facious yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, no, I, I it it really showed, man. I mean, I just I think of I think that I'm gonna start with a build-up statement. Um, I'm I'm pretty certain that in the right system with the right players around him, Angelo Rodriguez could score eight to eleven goals in an MLS season. Okay, sure. but <laughs> what I will also say is that. Wanting hold-up play does come at a price usually. And if you're talking about the LAFC win, the 5-1, if you're talking about the Toronto Chip Fest, um, those games were highlighted by Christian Ramirez, Darwin Quintero, Miguel Ibarra running the three-man weave uh, all across defenders. And you're watching... LA Lakers showtime. Yeah, exactly. You're watching center backs try to trace Christian as he goes to the left corner. You're watching Darwin... Uh, sneak over to the left and drag the left back. You're watching Miguel go into wide open space and a five foot five dude who's probably a little shorter, give, like getting headers. Um, like that actually works, and that's not the kind of stuff that you can necessarily coach. You just have to have players that want to put in the extra running. Yeah, and that's want soccer. To each other. Everything south of Texas, that's how they play. Yeah, exactly. No, absolutely right, and probably east uh, east of the Atlantic too uh, until you get to Russia. But then uh, when you bring in Anglo, it's a, it's a different running pattern. He's a downhill runner. When he gets the ball, he'll collect it just outside of the box, and he'll run directly towards the goal and maybe list to one side until he cuts the angle off completely. And then or he falls over. 
I, I think that so probably happened. Uh, but it, like that then caused like Miguel and Darwin can do as much weaving as they want to, but then it's just fullback switches. And that's yeah. so much easier to defend than when you have all three doing it. And so I think, yes, 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 the whole narrative behind Christian Ramirez and leaving and all of that, that's massive and that deserves to have gotten talked about as much as it has been and will continue to be. But I think if you're just looking at on the field, how it affected the Loons this season, it greatly affected their attack. And you can see it in the numbers, how Darwin Quintero's usage, how Miguel Ibarra's viability, um, how that was impacted, even when Angelo was hurt, except for the 45 minutes that Romario Ibarra was healthy. Well, and think about that for a minute. When Romario started the game and Angelo was on the bench, it was the three-man weave again. It was Darwin and Miguel and Romario, who was even faster than Christian, which causes even more havoc. Now imagine you were a real team that put four attackers on the field. Whoa, 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 whoa. Bruce! Four attackers. This is the children's show. Right? And put Christian up top with those other three. Imagine what they could do on yeah. on the attack. I, and I'll, I'll just add to that. What, what the, the obvious thing to it was that um, losing Christian, this player who you know is the most recognizable player from the team, the fan favorite, etc. Um, and that the, the team seemed so completely unprepared to sell that story, to like, to tell the, to, to get, like they, they didn't get the, they obviously knew that fans would be upset, but no one came up with like a message of like, well, how do we then not like get everyone angry? You know, or how do we like sell them a different story so they're not so angry? So that was my problem with the whole thing because I think they got a really good value for Christian. Yeah. They got a lot of money for him, over a million dollars. So I'm told, I mean, I actually wasn't even upset when they sold him because of what could happen down the future down the road in the future because you need to give up something to get something my problem was how they did it and how the next morning Manny went on TV and it was like oh you know anytime you give up one of your good players you know it's 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 hard and we wish him we wish him well and it's like no dude you you go out there and say we know that the fans really love this guy we right. know that he has meant a lot to this team for 5 years we understand that we are trying to build for the future and to get something of value you have to give up something of value and unfortunately he's the piece that we had to give up to get what we want for the future that's yeah. how you sell it instead they just it's went they, they talked about him like he was just another player. Right. Just, just a 10-second thing. Is, is his bust still on the outside of Allianz Field with the five players that they'd had all around the – did they take that down know. now? We're going to get okay. – uh, as you know, in this room, we've got Elvis and uh, uh, um, Beethoven. We're going to get a bust actually made of, of Christian as well. So I uh, hope you Let's do. go to a question. Uh, along those lines. So – irrespective of what we got for Christian um, and how they treated him. I, on KFAN, he said, I like to teach my strikers, I like to tell my strikers to run away from the ball. He said this on, on the KFAN show. He said, I love, to see, I love to have them run away from the ball and they'll drag a defender with them and that'll open up space, blah, 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 right? So given that, given that's how he loves to teach his strikers, how he wants the strikers to play, why would they sign Angelo? And why would they get rid of Christian? Because that's precisely the striker they got rid of getting a holding striker or a holding guy who's, who's not playing that system. So does that mean that Manny 
and Heath are not on the same page, or or what? I don't know. I mean, I'm so far away from the the sanctum that I know nothing. But yeah, um, and you you can't say anything. But <laughs> so, uh, or won't. I uh, I it's a really good question, and it's it's a really good way to frame that too. I I think. So I, I don't listen to K-Fan, but I do catch Adrian in interviews whenever he gives us interviews. Um, and that was a recurring topic of his, was that he, he thought he was sick of attackers coming back to collect the ball and then showing off how good they were dribbling um, and wanted them just to book it Route 1 style. Uh, I think in his ideal system, you've got Romario, Miguel, or... Alexi's ghost, or uh, who else? Who else Darwin. was on the wing? Well, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, but, oh, but Sam Nicholson before him, Ethan Finley before him, Kevin Molino before him. Uh, just running and not coming back to collect from the wing, having the collection being done at center forward, so that a player like Abu Dunladi, if he's lining up as a right winger, suddenly can bolt if he needs to. I think that was the goal, whether it was executed or not. Uh, but. But I think yeah. maybe you can see some of that comment in you know something like with how um, Abu played this year. When when Abu's best game last uh, last season, I think was probably maybe the Atlanta away game, right? Or, or Montreal away. Or Montreal. Yeah, I'm just thinking. I remember Atlanta a bit better in that um, he not only had that goal, but he had a really good cross in for. Oh, he did the cross for Molino to finish to win the game in Atlanta. Um, and Abu is pretty decent with his feet. He's not quite as quite as good as Christian is, and uh, but he, he's pretty decent. He's not necessarily a run off the shoulders, boot it to him long player. But we've seen him play that way. That's this because year. he's offside, right? Yeah, <laughs> or but, hurt. But you know, he's yeah, yeah, he's hurt offside. Um, you know, but but when we tried to play that that way with him this year, particularly at the beginning of the season. The team just looked terrible. And, and you know, yeah, it, it's very, like, there have been times where we try to play this boot the ball long to a guy, and it's it's miserable. And, and it's like, is that really what we were building up to this whole time? Because we, we have had this kind of team that at times is scintillating in the attack, and yet... The coach is English. Yeah. <laughs> F it, we're doing a 4-4-2. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, I mean the the answer the answer is just like, who knows? Yeah, why why do why do we go with this? I mean, you can see what Angelo Angelo whatever we're saying, everyone with the team says it differently. I what, think Angelo is how he said it. Is it? I think okay. Angelo. Yeah. Uh, we can see what Angelo uh, how how they think he can play. Right? He's and good. you wonder why the players yeah, don't yeah. like him. Yeah. <laughs> Weird. So bizarre. Uh, you can see how so what he brings and that he has this quality, but it's just send a, such a fundamentally different way to play that that it's also kind of confusing. Like, well, I believe I, I read an interview with Manny after the season, and he described how he wanted the team to play, and then he talked about Angelo. Yeah, very good. Being a different kind of player than what he had just described what he wanted, and he sang praises of both. Yeah. It just left me – I see Steve out here scratching the side of his head, and yeah. that's how the inside of my head feels when I read that. 
Yeah. Well, Angelo does have at least a little bit of the Pablo Campos to him, where he can take, he can collect the ball and fall over. Which, yeah, but Pablo which is a magical the talent. fouls. No, but that is a magical talent. He gets a foul. He 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 does fall over and get fouls. I'm not. I didn't say that mocking Angelo. You know what Angelo I, needs in 2019? Shorter shorts. Oh, Pablo. Pablo's around. He could give him some short short lessons. We, we'll have to do a live podcast here. I'm not here. saying, I'm just saying. We'll have to do a live podcast here with Pablo Campos. That would be... You should. That would be can I tell a quick Pablo Campos story? Be, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tell a long well, one. We're at it. He had been here for a while in Minnesota, maybe a year and a half or two full years, and we were standing out. Uh, some of the players showed up at the Nomad for some event one time. Maybe it was the postseason. Must have been, yeah. I don't know, but we were outside, and it was daylight. So I don't know. Anyway, we're talking, and... He told me, he said, you know, one of the reasons why I came to Minnesota, and I, I love you guys so much, and I love your how much you dig the game, but one of the reasons why I came here is because whenever I'd come here with other teams, the supporters <laughs> would always sing, we love you, Com- Pablo Campos, we love, and I, in my head I was thinking, no, dude, that's, you dive like Pablo Campos. That's yeah. what we were singing. Oh, and he literally thought it was, we love you, Pablo Campos. <laughs> And he said that was one of the reasons he signed with Minnesota. And I thought it was fantastic because he is a really positive, joyous, yeah, yeah. upbeat kind of person. Yeah. So that's what he heard. He heard love. That's what he heard in, yeah. his, in his mind. It's beautiful. Uh, I want to talk about the, the acquisitions then. I, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm curious if you have uh, – you know, I'll actually uh, – Read this, and uh, everyone can uh, audibly register their their grades. Uh, here's the players who were signed this year. I'll start with the um, the the uh, the people who were drafted: Mason Toy, Carter Manley, uh, Wyatt Olmsberg. Oh, for Alex Schieferdecker's at home. Going, yeah, Wyatt. Uh, Harrison Heath, Franz Pangop, Matt Lampson. Owundi, oh, Lampson got a clap. Uh, uh, Bertrand Owundi, Tyrone Mears. Maximiano, Alexi Gomez, Darwin, Darwin Quintero. Okay, he got he got a yay. Eric Miller, Ramar, Eric Miller's mom is probably in the room right now, guys. So she's hiding behind the bar. So you better clap. Uh, Romario and Angelo. There we go. Got really thanks for the audience participation. Uh, so um, those are the players. Um, at least two or three of those, you were like, oh, yeah, forget about that guy. Uh, so best non-Darwin Quintero signing and then worst. So Romario Ibarra, but strictly for potential. Right. We saw him for half a game be everything you dream about, and that's all we really saw from him. I think he had one other goal at another point. Um, there's another weird thing, though, that at times he looks like an old man. Yeah. And he's like 22 or it's 23. The, it's the high, high um, uh, forehead. Well, and he also kind of has an old man walk. And I said this. I said this on the podcast. It's like Jorginho, right? Remember that player, that yeah. guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said Jorginho, and I was totally wrong in this other podcast. So a month ago, I said that, and I'm, I apologize. Jorginho. Uh, uh, okay, so Romario was Jorginho your- the guy who combed it forward and put the string over it so it would cover yes. up? Yes, uh, I think so. Well, that I don't was know. spectacular. That was really a good. It's look. just Eliz- Elizabethan. Is what no, I'm it's the way he is. walks. He's kind of got this, like, oh my hips. Ah, okay. But I think he is the one really good signing, only on potential though. 
Because we honestly don't know. Yeah. We had, I think he had another substitute appearance that early on that was very surprisingly good. But uh, do you want to give us a, a do you, best? Do you remember how many minutes he might have even played, Romario? Any clue at all? Tree fitty. I actually don't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just. I didn't look. I've never looked. Serious? It's not very many though. (laughs) Um, uh, Best. Give me your best. So the hard part is if you're if you're saying the non-Darwin category. Yeah. I'm guessing. um, There are some nice additions. We'll say. I think Eric Miller. I think he's someone that you can definitely bring along with you for the next few years easily, um, and trust him to play fullback uh, if you need him to. I think that he's actually a better right back than people give him credit for. 271 minutes? I was 99 minutes. True. Um, to, yeah. me, you're, to me, that's in the ballpark. Ballpark, yeah. yeah. But Three, 350 not, to 297. Not good for Price is Right rules, but yeah. No. Okay, good. But thank you, Colin. As always, thank you. Um, there are, yeah, so Eric Miller, I think, is actually a better right back than he showed this year. Uh, first off, he was mostly played at left back this year, which right. is absurd. Yep. Um, second, he was sometimes played as right center back of a back three which is absurd. Uh, the times that he was healthy, sometimes he was just left out of the 18, which made no sense to me. But I think that he was the two-time reigning Colorado Rapids Defender of the Year, which right now is a punchline, but during the Pablo Mastroeni era actually meant something. And I think you look at his age, you look at his salary, he's due a raise, obviously, but it's not like he's going to get even close to TAM money. He's an American fullback. Um, He's absolutely somebody that you keep. His he's well-kept beard. Very it's well-kept really beard. Really nice beard. Yeah, good he's footwear, nice. too. Yeah. He's a nice dude. His mom's a fan of your podcast. So yeah. I, I think... He's over there. Hey, Sue. Hey, Sue. Uh, so I think, yeah, you hold on to him. And I think... He's going to play the piano after, during the halftime. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I think if, if he was the starting right back... I think that's fine. I don't think that that's a weak spot. I, because if he gets the reps at right back every single week, he's an MLS starting right back. And especially on that salary, that helps you free up other positions. So that was a better pickup than the season showed, I think. The draft picks, I still think they had a really good draft. I, I didn't see anything from Mason Carter or Wyatt to suggest that one of them was a bad pick. I saw signs from Mason that he's 19, <laughs> and played one year in college, and that's fine, but that's why you, you know, loan him out for an entire season, maybe, instead of what they did. Or you make sure that he's loaned out to Madison next year. Or you say this team actually needs him more and plays a better system for what we think we'll do in 2020. Loan him there instead. They'll have the right to do that. He made 16 appearances. Did you know that? For like two minutes each? I know, but still, that's way more than I thought he made. <laughs> yeah, that's... By the end, I it, forgot thirteen. I'm, of I'm those not appearances. saying that it's a lot yeah. of time, but I just I was surprised he, he was got on a lot the field of minutes early times. on, and then yeah. particularly toward the end, I, he got more appearances. But it, it was it was those shorter ones. But he, I mean, there was that weird sliding doors moment where he got that red card, and Christian had gone out injured. He would have played the next game against Salt Lake, I think, or yeah, something I like think that. Yeah, I think it was. And it was a perfect chance for – because he, he had shown something, you know. He had almost scored a couple goals. Reminded me a lot of uh, Max Griffin for longtime fans who, like, he was this guy who came from Orlando. He had scored a lot of goals. He missed one goal barely. Was Max Griffin the chauffeur on Heart to Heart? Yes. With he played, played briefly for uh, – With uh, the big cigar from and Minnesota. the chauffeur's cap and so, the convertible. And, uh, and so – but Max Griffin never scored that goal. It missed wide and – you know, then he like retired, and he uh, 
went to work for Nike or whatever. Can and I just say, though, about Mason's red car? That was the most Big Ten shit I've ever seen. Like, he's setting up to try to head in a corner. He's being marked by Kendall Waston right behind him. And he just throws the people's elbow at his crotch. Yeah. And then looks around like, what did I do? Like, that was the most Big Ten soccer thing yeah. I think I've ever seen. Yeah, my wife uh, so. went to got her PhD at Indiana University, so... She learned that I get a lot of elbows, elbows to my yeah, crotch. Yeah, yeah. Man. Yeah, I don't and for, unfortunately neither of my kids are refs, so I There's that one uh, class freshman elbow, right? Yeah, Isn't exactly. that what that's called? Yep. yep. <laughs> are you going to go with all Yeah. Do you yeah. guys remember the first Mason Toy appearance on the field? Was that Orlando? I don't remember, but he came in late for a uh, set piece in the box, and he, he went running into the box, and there were, a guy got in his face, and he just shoved him. Yep. Oh, and then and, and, and they had the cameras right on him, so everyone just went nuts. Like, and then, yeah. And it was either that game or the next game where he had an Same assist. Game. Same game. And then he shushed the uh, the haters, and that's why I called him Mason the Librarian. That's right. And it just it Shushing. only picked on with me. It just picked you. up with me. Just but you, yeah. Only you. A, I wanted him to score a goal and then shush and just make that his thing. Because well, he also did the slit throat and lipped it's over, baby. Like oh, wow. three times as he Ethan got all Finley. Of them. Like I, we missed that with highs of the season. That yeah. little clip, which I think it was Fist of the North Star, gift. I've used yeah. that in articles like five times this year yeah. because oh. it's. Amazing! It's cinematic. Yeah. Inuritu could not have directed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, anyway, so uh, low worst signing of the season. I got a triple. Okay, <laughs> I got a triple banger. It's it's Gomez, Maxi, and Lampson. And Lampson is a really nice guy, you know. Which is it is boo 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 Bruce. Just kidding. Right. Sorry. He's a really nice guy, <laughs> and man, the things he does for other people is remarkable. I wish I had like 10% of his caring for others, but he is an awful goalkeeper. Man, is that dude bad. And then Gomez and, and, and Maximiano. The, Wait, complete waste of money all the way across the The reason board. Maxi and uh, um, Gomez don't make my list is that they were just, uh, um, they were just loans, and there's no... Were they not on the roster or what? Yeah, but Did they not play a ton. But the of whole minutes? point is to bring in players and see if they see if they're going to work out. But the hard part is if you're bringing them for over 200k on international spots, that's investment. Zeller's still. back. So what? you know, speaking so, of international spots, yeah, let, so you, let's bad signings. You can go back to Pang up and and yeah, well, we'll, Wundi, we'll get to Bertrand. So you are advocating the fa- the fact that uh, Alexi Gomez, who is the worst player that this team has ever signed ever, no, uh, no. Demidov. <laughs> oh. Well, non-Demonoff edition. <laughs> okay. You're advocating no, for the fact that, that Alexi Gomez is not the worst player ever signed? Uh, my name is David Zeller. I'll take my question <laughs> off the air. I, <laughs> do, you want, do you want me to take the, the, the weird camp that Alexi's a worse signing than Demidov? Cut him off. Yes, please. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Really? Uh, yeah, for sure. Because... I, he was signed two days after the team had shipped out Sam Nicholson for Eric Miller when the first Colorado ask was for a different player instead of Sam Nicholson. You can say it. Colin Warner. So... Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah. I'm Wes Berdine. I'll take my uh, podcast off the air. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, my Jesus Christ. So, so a part of... It's spectacular, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, it's 
They're real and it's and they're spectacular. So things you need to factor at this. Point. I'm right again. Thank you. So things you need to factor in here. Uh, one, they needed the international spot. So there goes Sam. Two, they believed Alexi would find his form. So they looked and they said that, hey, <laughs> we don't need Sam Nicholson because we'll get this guy. And then, <laughs> 21 times for the rest of the season, they looked at their lineup and saw the left side and said, you know who could do the job? Alexi Gomez. And or Franz Panga. They never went with Pangop over him. And you know how many goals and assists combined he had in over, I want to make sure I get this one right, like almost 2,000 MLS minutes? It's got to be zero. It's zero. Yeah, yeah. That is a far worse signing than playing a center back for three games and cutting bait, even though, realistically, he probably could have stayed on as the third center back, and you only bring him in when you need to close out a game. Oh, my God. You can follow I'm me really on Twitter not at Jeff doing this information well. Colin Warner, by all accounts, a very good guy and a pretty decent midfielder for no. us. He nope. came in at time and did nope. a job. Okay. Nope. I'm Wasn't he to on be the Denor Do Not Sign list? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, I'm just going to... clear Do Not material. Him, Birch, Shuttleworth. That right. was the first year. Lamps in the second year. Yeah. I mean, I can't top that. I will say, I will say that um, to me, probably the worst is uh, is a woundy because it's an international spot for a position that you absolutely did not need. He's the sixth center back, right? If you have, uh, if you're assuming you're going to you play say, Eric out of position before him, no, no. If him, you had yeah. Calvo, if you had Calvo, Calvo Boxall, Coleman, Boxall, Omsberg, Miller, Omsberg, Miller, and that's it. And then Bertrand, six. That Mike stand over there. A yeah, pile of allocation right. money. Yeah, and yeah. So I was thinking about this on right before I came over here. That they sent somebody to Africa twice, and came back with Pangop and Awundi. Twice. That's got to be about five grand a trip, maybe a little more. And then they they both got like sixty five grand or something, whatever the league minimum is. So that's one hundred twenty. So that's. About 140,000, and then two international spots. Where I think when you trade them, the value right now is at about 50,000. Garber yeah, bucks. And, the, about, and yeah. there was there was also a transfer fee paid for one of them, a small one. So we're up to around 250, 300,000. Can I suggest what they could have done with those spots instead at that point? That it Just keep Ish Joe and Joe Greenspan. Right, right. Just as worthless, but a lot cheaper. A lot cheaper. I mean, Joe Greenspan is. Well, I have some sauce on Ishom if you want to let me have a conversation about Ishom. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, I mean, we can. We, we could. Uh, he <laughs> did just get released by Nashville today. Uh, no, so I mean, relevant. but yeah, okay. So let me, let me then look forward. Let me t- move the, this podcast forward to 2019. Um, we know that uh, there's, you know, the, it is not trickled down who is not coming coming back, but we know there's a significant amount of people not coming back because... Usually these contracts are about two years. There's probably a lot of them. They've got options, but they're going to cut cut and run on a few of them. So the team, I'm guessing, uh, Jeff, you're, you're closer to it these days. Um, the team, I'm guessing, is going to be a lot different next year. What does that mean then? I think from what I know, 
Uh, it means at least one and a half million in salary cap room. It means seven to eight senior roster spots open. Uh, that's a lot that you can like five. That's a lot of Tyrone Mearses. That's a lot of Tyrone Mearses, guys. So what I'm saying is, you can pay a transfer fee, get him back from England. He's now a championship level right back. Those kind of guys don't come to MLS every day. Yeah, they do. They Scor- really do. Scored a goal and scored a goal in the championship. I think. Got an assist. So. Assist. Okay. <laughs> On a gentleman's cross. Uh, so yes, you you could. It's a thing. It's a thing. All right. All right. Uh, so that's there's a lot of room. It will look very different. Um, I have been led to believe the priorities are not in the attack for this window, which would be a first. Um, but that would be good, and that's obviously where the priorities should be. Um, I mean, as Wes, Wes is my witness that a year ago, right about now, Amos McGee turned to me and said, "Yes, Bruce, we will address the defense." Well, he brought in Tyrone. Are you doing Mears the class again within this Bertrand. year? Oh, neither can I. So but neither of us will be there to hold Amos accountable for him to, to say, yeah. We've got another question. All right, this, this is uh, from a friend. Okay. Do, do they think Boxall stays? He seems to be the odd man out. I asked him for clarification or context. He said they just paid Coleman. Sorry, did you ask Boxall for clarification or did you uh, ask your I friend? I asked my friend. Okay, okay sorry. Well, who, who may or may not be Boxall. Because um, <laughs> that would be burying the lead they tremendously. Just, they, they just paid Coleman. I think they like Jerry and Eric Miller, and, for, and of course they love Caldwell for some reason. So who, who in the leaky back line gets relegated to the bench? You don't need to relegate any of them if you say that Francisco Calvo is a left back. Because that doesn't change your center back depth chart a lot. You're saying that Wyatt Omsberg is the, the one that you're still working. You'll probably send him to USL for most of the season. Brent or Boxall, you play the hot hander. You play both if you're in a back three. And then you bring in a new guy. Boxall came to the Dark Clouds end of the year party, which means he's coming back next year. Because he would have found out by then that he wasn't coming back, and there's no way he would have come to the party. So that's the that's how you I'm know pre- someone's coming back. I'm pretty sure at least one person who was at that party is not back next year. <laughs> yeah. So. Oh. Never say never. It's Colin Warner. Um. So All right. Never say. Uh, Very excited about this. Okay. Who was? Who, who is it? <laughs> Go. Go. I'm gonna answer the other question. <laughs> We're cutting you off the mic. Uh. <laughs> The, the Boxel question. Um, I don't think I don't think it's an issue if he's back. I, I understand the center back core needs improvement. I think that everyone in the country who's watched soccer would agree that it needs improvement. But I will also say that that's not all on Boxel. Uh, decisions about Tiason and about Miller would be separate from Boxel as well because aside from that one game where he was apparently actually very, very nervous to play right back and he scored that game. Uh, aside from that one game, I think that was RSL, he will only play center back. Jerry would only play fullback. Eric would only play, should only play fullback. So I think those decisions would be very different. Uh, I don't think Boxel's the odd man out and I would imagine he would be back next year. And Coleman's going to be the third fighting for the second spot, you know, every year, yeah, you know, um, and, and I, I, I think Coleman didn't progress that much this year, unfortunately. Um, no, the whole team didn't No, Uh, cause I, I think that he still struggled a lot with clearances. There would be one or two clearances a game where it's like, Ooh, that could have been punished. You know, um, I, I think that he continues to do what he's done pretty well. 
think he's very good at marking and uh, getting with muscly players, getting them under control. But um, yeah, I, I think that I think that the team should always be trying to push all of its players to the bench. Uh, um, you know, the problem is when you've got someone like Calvo who makes a lot of money, and you're saying, well we want to sign a better left back or something like that, and then what do you do with him? One of the problems this year was that we have we have a player who we know is very talented, like Calvo, and a lot of times the team was shifting around to accommodate him. We went to the three-man back line so that we could have Calvo there, which is a crazy thing that we're like making our uh, formation decisions, not fully uh, based on this, but in part because of one player. Um, and that that's a, a real question that needs to be dealt with. Um, uh, Bruce, you've got a question from, uh, from Twitter. I uh, did from Brian Hanf, and he asked a serious question, but the first part of his tweet was a joke question, and I actually like that one better. Okay, do so it. So I'm going to go yeah. with that. Yeah. If you could only have one sandwich for lunch every day for the rest of your life, which sandwich would it be? That's so easy, but Jeff, you go. You're going <laughs> to... So you let me think for a second. It's, yeah, a, it's a Reuben. Every day of the week, I would eat a Reuben. Yeah, thank you. The, the crowd is with me. I'm going to go with a grilled pork banh mi. Oh, the whole crowd is with me. A person went with you. I'm going with a grilled pork banh mi. Yes. It's okay. Okay. I'm older, and uh, there's a lot of farmland around me, so I'm, I don't go nearly as highbrow and inner city as you guys. Yeah. But some kind of a really good wheat bread or maybe a French bread with turkey and, like, spicy mustard and Swiss and romaine. And maybe a little barbecue sauce and a couple of pickles. That's really boring. I'm actually, I'm good with that one, too. That's my sandwich. Yeah, the Reuben's better. All right. Uh, that's a good question, though. Thank you, Brian. Uh, uh, do we have another, uh, just want to go food? What are you doing here, Colin? Being that this is a wake picking over a carcass. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, you can pick it up or get close. Sorry, or just lean over. <laughs> uh, the NASL has been dead for almost two years now. It seems like the juicy bits have all been picked over. <laughs> Whether that be Mark Dos Santos, Giovanni Savarese, Ben Sweat, Miguel Ibarra, Christian Ramirez, is there any piece out there that hasn't been picked up by an MLS team that is still available? Nesta. Specifically, that's a good shout, actually. Uh, specifically, NASL, not USL included, right? NASL. It's NASL era. It's a um, the Alan Marcina Airport Greeting Committee would be a good shout. Yeah. Um, Who was the guy that was traded for a couple limo rides in a hotel room? Oh. Um, Walter Restrepo. Yeah. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Man, those are the days. That league was so much fun. I miss that league so much. Fafa yeah, did. Fafa. Yep. Nas is gonna go to Cincy, I'm sure. What happened um, to Quad Quadwo Poku? Ooh. What he's probably in Bosnia second division right now. He's gone back and forth. He went to Russia for half a year and then got transferred back to uh do you know who it was in the USL? He played like four Tampa Bay. He was a uh, rowdy for like the last four games of Joe Cole's career, which is a fascinating footnote. And what about some of those Cosmos guys, like Danny Zatella? Retired. Ryan Richter retired. He's, he's working, uh, working the, the front of a bar. Well, right I know now. a lot in, of those guys from Cosmos, their problem was they were paid so much money that to go to any MLS team would have been a pay cut. 
Yeah. Any US, yeah, any USL team would have oh, given them really like half cut. as much. Yeah. yeah. And so it forced an entire bracket from like age 26 to age 50, uh, if you're Joe Cole. Um, who, who was the striker who was from Monaco, who then was striker for Miami the last year? Do you oh, remember that guy? Uh, yeah. Um, uh, I remember who you're talking it about. It starts with like the, the no, uh, I'm going to blank. He was really good, but he was getting paid way too much money. That yeah. is the so. issue, is, is Colin, who asked that question earlier, is there was a handful of pretty decent players, but they were all getting paid an ex- exceedingly ridiculous amount of money. If I'm looking at Minnesota, the position that they need more than any other position is a number six. I've written this since week one. If you're looking for the best number six in the NASL era, that's Richie Ryan. I'm not sure if since he's going to bring him up or not. Even if you're just bringing him for a year as a stopgap of shit, our main number six is out. We just need someone to play the role, so we're going to put him in, or Greg Jordan or someone like that. You put one of those guys in. Yeah, But they've said repeatedly they don't want to do that because, you know, they're looking for that really great one. Can I tell you uh, what my dream for 2019 is, everyone, for the midfield? Dax McCarty, Jackson Ewell. So there you go. It's not happening. So yeah, I want the double ginger. Can you imagine the double ginger going at oh, it? Oh, really? Still a really That's big a fan two of gingers. You, the, oh, sponsorship. The sitter was right there. Yeah, and you missed it. Sorry. Yeah. Greg Jordan. Yeah, he's not a Greg starter, Jordan. but no, he he fills that role. Oh, I really like that guy. I know you I do. Don't, he's not really playing much in the USL though, so I think. No, he was back. He scored the goal of the month once this year. Oh, that okay. is a fascinating thing. Uh, so 2019, give me some positive. Uh, let, let's close, you know, move toward toward the end here, uh, which is um, what 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 can we look forward to that's positive, or, or what do you want to see that would be positive, et cetera, and this. And I'll go. You, Bruce. No, you're not ready. No, I'm ready. I just okay. don't really know where to go. I don't. I I I'm more of a wait and react kind of guy. Because okay. it's way Which, easier to be cynical. That what if way. you do, what if you dream a little bit and think like, what if they signed this guy? Yeah, I think that they really, really, really need to scour the list through MLS and find out what center backs could or are could be or are available. Because I think they can build their defense without spending a ton of money and without going a long distance to do it. Uh, Mike Petke's mad at Justin Glad. No, he's not. But he's a child. He was hurt. <laughs> no, he's a he's child. Mad. You need, he's mad. I mean, veterans. If you're going after someone, you're saying, hey, Dallas, remember last winter when you traded your best center back and your season was as good? How about you trade Matt Hedges? We'll give you like half of the Christian Ramirez money, and we'll give you your choice of our wingers, and we'll take your best center back. That would be a good move. Or you say, hey, Omar Gonzalez, you want to come back to MLS? I bet you do. Yeah. You get him back. Either of those two would be super easy to bring in. How about both? I just did it right now, actually. I just tweeted at them, and they responded, so they're coming. They're in. Oh, they're absolutely in. Because for me... Making it happen here. The four across the back and the goalkeepers, I have no problem if they swept them all out the door. I would have no issue with that and just literally started over from scratch. I would be fine with it. Brutal. Yeah, no, I I, I mean, I, I can... I can take that. For that. Yeah. Uh, no I, MLS team has ever allowed 171 goals across two seasons. 141. 141, you're right. I yeah. got the math wrong. Pump the brakes here. Now it's our turn. We're yeah. even now. Yeah. 141 goals. No team has ever done that. Um, you can make as many changes as you want it's to. It's breathtaking how bad the defense and, is. It's breathtaking. really is. Seriously. And another, any other uh, dream? You want to give me a dream signing? If you, you did the Omar Gonzalez and Matt Hedges. Any, any other dreams you can imagine? Uh, 
I think I would really enjoy covering the comeback of Javier Morales. I don't know why it would not help Minnesota whatsoever, but I would love writing about Javier Morales coming back at age 40. Um, just here's what while, I, while we're at want, it, why not get let's get uh, Quentin McBlanco as tell you well. What, get Berbatov, get Zimitar Berbatov back don't, for don't, one more don't year. Play you know, on Sunday we watched. Uh, some of us here watched MLS playoffs together, and right before it. We watched the first leg of the Copa Libertadores final, which is Boca Juniors was hosting River Plate. And I'm looking at all those guys out there. They, it looked like, they looked like the cast of the movie 300. Hmm. Every one of them was ripped, covered in tats with these extreme haircuts and these looks like, I am going to kill you and eat you. There's some good neck tattoos in that game. There had to be guys from that area of the world that could be the number six for Minnesota. He's great at yeah, it. Yeah, there's one they scouted before. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the Copa Libertadores game was fantastic. The speed of it was just amazing. The uh, the second leg is going to – I think it's Saturday at some time. We'll have it here. I'm doing my fingers. That yeah, tells you. Yeah, I figure that out. Fingers is uh, how I indicate there's going to be a game here you on Saturday. You know what Saturday. I want? You know what my dream is? Yeah. I want them to do something different. Because I've written the same piece every week for two yeah. years now, and I'm just ready to write something else. Yeah. So just, like, don't... Don't be bad? There's that. But, like, don't be bad in the same way. <laughs> make, it because, make it because you are, like, at home, you couldn't finish your chances, but you also kept a clean sheet. And now you're writing about, okay, you're still getting a point. Does that keep you in the playoff, honey? What if, what if my kid, pet key was the coach here, though? That would be so much fun. Be. Now, is Petke your new bear holter? This is no, 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 not at all. Once a year, we'd get a great press conference. But oh no, but I mean, I just because I rewatched, I rewatched the uh, the the video of him doing the. Uh, are they watching the Simpsons up there? I don't know. Yeah. You could drain my bank account, and I, it's just still genius to mm-hmm. me. Uh, no, no, I don't have a new bear halter now that we're uh, you know. You need one before next March. You've got time, but I mean, I've had one. I've had a thing with Mark DeSantos. Think he could sell me some drugs, um, you know? But I don't get that. But okay, yeah. What's, what's your? Have you never met any drug dealers? He Is just that why looks you think like he looks like a drug dealer. He looks like he would be. He looks like a skeezy guy who would sell. I, I don't know that many drug dealers to be honest. Um, he looks like a, he like he goes to the club and he you know it's maybe he's buying speed, not selling it. I don't know. Jesus, man, don't give me that look. I got the disappointed dad look about my speed jokes. Uh, the jokes are good. I, I just thanks. don't get yeah. the Mark Dos Santos part. Yeah, okay, thanks. Colin, do you have a question here? You're, you're standing. Yeah, I, I have one more question. Yeah. On the mic. Looking forward to 2018 with an expansion draft offseason, is there one key player, a big name from the club, that you would be not surprised isn't here next year? Oh, That's a good question. Well, last year I I was 100% convinced Miguel was not coming back. I think I even said it's either him or Heath. One will not be here at the beginning of the year. I think Miguel is the one who could be gone because he has value. He had a very good year, and I think there's other coaches that say, wow, I could use that guy even better than they did. The logic and that makes hush. sense, and it really makes me sad. Yeah, and right a now. hush falls over the room. I, I will say, though, yeah. I mean, you're onto something. That wing position, Jake and I were talking about this earlier today, it's an absolute logjam, especially if you consider Molino and Finley. Oh, I said Heath. Molino and Finley coming back next season. Those two, Ibarra, Ibarra. If I say it a third time, they'll show up, so I can't. Um, 
thank you. Uh, probably not Peng Hop, uh, probably not Gomez, but that's still four guys you would look at and say, starting winger for two spots, only two spots. And if the season started tomorrow and Finley and Molina were rehabilitated, but we don't know how they're going to be, the coaching staff of Minnesota right now starts them over Miguel. Right. In my opinion, they right. would start. Okay. They would start M- Miguel both Molino and Finley yeah. before Miguel again to start next season. I think. I think it depends. I mean, how are their knees? Fin- I don't think it would matter. They they well, named they named Demidov captain. That's what they're capable. Yeah, of. Yeah, but they okay? never played a minute, and he'd played in La Liga, or so they were told. Um, the, the they never with- saw him, did they? No, no, no. no. they no. never met him. Lovely guy. Uh, <laughs> Don't doubt it. I will never get an interview with him after I tried to get an interview with him and my cover photo on Twitter was him in a hammock. I will never get an interview with him. Uh, what I will say, though, going back to the wing position, you've got, with Finley, a winger whose best attribute was his pace. Knee injuries will change your speed, change how you move on the field, change how you're able to plant as you're trying to kick on your outside leg. With Molino, you've got a guy who's coming back from his second ACL surgery. Might change how he plays mentally as a whole. I'm not certain that you put both of those guys into the depth chart above your most consistent player in 20. Well, I think I think I think all all of us here coach, are agreed with that logic. None of us coach the team, and none of us apparently hate Miguel Ibarra. The way that yeah, I definitely didn't use logic. Does anyone in this yeah. room have the anti-Miguel stance that we can get? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not, I just, yeah. Well, Harrison's behind the bar, too. Or he'll, he'll tell us. Hey, Harrison. Uh, I can't be upset with that guy like a lot of people are, because it's not his fault. No. No. Uh, no. <laughs> He's so much, so far from, like, the biggest problem with that roster. No, no, no. Harrison's fine. And the, the Harrison two, I fine. saw two times when he was involved in stuff off the field with the team, and he was kind of the butt of jokes, and he seemed to really enjoy it with them. So I don't think he's bad for and the team. And he was the first way. guy to like he got suspended for it and what he did. Not cool. Fine. Good. Suspension great. But he was defending the team when a team was celebrating at home in front of the bench and he was like, "You know what? That's not cool. This team deserves better." So even just for that alone, you can disagree with how he went about it, but he's not someone I'm who's sorry, just here I made to live a Harrison with his parents. Heath joke, guys. I'm just I'm just saying. No, Jesus. I've made a million of them. I'm just saying it's <laughs> you know um, I went to one of those open practices that they invited fans to, and the te- they were all practicing taking shots, and he completely whiffed on his so bad that he fell down, and the whole team was just howling with laughter. And it was like, they do like the guy. You yeah. Know? They do, they, or they really love making fun of him. No, no, it two. wasn't that kind yeah. of laughter. It, was, it wasn't, you know, because normally if, you, if they were really embarrassed that he was on the team, they all would have just walked with their heads down like, oh, my God, there he goes again. Let, let me, they didn't do that. Let me close out on this question then, which is uh, I want just some, like, uh, bold predictions for 2019. Whatever the boldest. I didn't give you guys this one in, in, uh, to think about. Um, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I didn't give it to myself to think about either, so... Anyone have a bold prediction for 2019? I mean, my seat is too far away from the field for me to predict that I might take to the field to go after the coach at some point. Oh, just rip yeah. up your, uh, your digital season tickets in front of him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, 
Yeah, I mean, do you think that we will make the playoffs next year? No chance. It's way too early to tell. Way Just, too early. Well, to no, tell. it's not too early to tell. You tell it right now. No. This is the end of the season oh, podcast. No, no it's, it's bold, not insane. Uh, what I will say, though, my bold prediction is there's a different starting goalkeeper next season. Ooh. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Yeah, I like that. That's uh, a really good step forward. I, and the last, thank you. I've said, actually, see, frame it that way. Matt Lampson started the beginning of the season and the end of the season. Yeah. No, I do think that there will have a different regular yeah. goalkeeper next season. I, I think Shuttleworth would make a really good backup. I've said that from the moment he arrived. He was for three weeks for Jana Alberga. Um, did not allow, like, 11 goals in two games. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say that we don't make the playoffs either. It's not bold. I, it, I, I'm trying to convince myself that we could. I do think that we, uh, home, we will be very good, but we are already really good at home. Uh, and maybe we'll improve away. Um, but the other teams around us are getting so much better that it's hard for me to have a lot of positivity. Um, Okay. Is that how we're ending this? Yeah. Uh, and so I'm just going to go into my hole now and uh, think about sad things and let a vein and listen to some uh, Neil Young. Uh, oh, Jesus. I'm not going that dark. I'm, real, I'm really excited about my seat in the stadium next year. Really, right. really, really looking forward to that. Um, well, uh, I'm excited uh, for this podcast to be over. No, uh, I... Uh, thank you, Jeff. Thanks, Bruce. Thank you, everyone, for, for coming out. Um, yeah. Do that. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Listen. Uh, if you're in the bar right now or if you have a time machine and you're listening to this, there's a drag show uh, coming up outside. Not here. We're not in it. Although I should have sprung that on you. Sorry, guys. Uh, the, I will say Copa Libertadores this Saturday and then uh, um, after uh, the Thanksgiving break, right? It's the weekend after Thanksgiving is when MLS... We'll do the MLS playoff uh, uh, madness again and, uh, and watch that stuff. Uh, who's going to win MLS Cup in 2018? Jeff. Red Bulls. Bruce. Kansas City. Mm, I, I also am going Red Bulls just because I need them to beat Atlanta. Um, so anyway, thanks everyone and uh, thanks guys. See ya.